Hello. Hello. Oh, you just pushed a little button. In I front did. Of you. I pressed the button. There's a new way we're recording sounds, and like I'm used to seeing a whole rigmarole, and he pushes 12 buttons, but like no, no, he just pushed a tapped little thing. It made no sound. <laughs> it made no sound. We're trusting it's recording. I hope that you guys can hear this audio in the future when you're listening to this, and I believe you will be able to. Oh, like thousands of years from now, they will dig up the archives. <laughs> They'll be buried under rubble or like sedimentary rock or whatever the fuck, and they will come up with this little like recording device and. <laughs> All of our little audio files will be in there and they will listen to us and they'll be like, this is what life was like I, in 2024. I mean, you know that my biggest fear is people re-listening to the old episodes of our podcast in which we're like, COVID is not going to be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're being like, these two fucking idiots. Oh, I've said way stupider things on the podcast <laughs> I don't know, than just like, the than th- just like, oh, I don't, I don't know the what's going to happen. It was weeks and weeks of us being like, guys, remember the avian flu? Like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> it was like, weeks and weeks. It was, it was of us multiple kind of episodes okay. of us saying that. I'm like, you sound like idiots. I always think I'm just like, if I feel like I say something on the podcast where it's like, I wonder if like years from now I'm going to regret saying that I'm going to have to remember. Right. And, and have Matt Palmer delete this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not that I've ever said anything horrible. No, I don't think we've ever said anything offensive. We've just said things that were like categorically false. And like, that's tough to know. know We're not scientists. We're just men. We We are are just human. Hey, we're not just men. We are gay men. (laughs) You better say it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. everybody and welcome back to Two Game That's the Podcast. It's Matt Palmer. And it's Matt Steele. We're back again another week and we're in the middle of, for me, a three-day weekend because oh, tomorrow <laughs> tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day and so we're still putting out a podcast for you because we love you so much and if you are off work, just listening to us while you're going around your house, cleaning, resting, doing whatever you'd like to do, we wish you good day. Well, I won't be able to listen because I will not be off work because oh. I am working at my restaurant job on a Monday holiday like I am doing every other Monday holiday and I will complain about it on every <laughs> podcast episode until the day I die. Are all Monday holidays tough at the job? Or awful. Are, the, are some of them fine? They're all awful. Really? Like it's just everyone's just coming in I would ready think, for a burger. I would think like, like a Labor Day Memorial Day. Like of course that's oh, going to be dreadful. Because yeah. I work but at like, a burger place and those are burger holidays. Right. But MLK Day it's like is at, that specifically bad? MLK Day is much better than Memorial Day. I mean Memorial Day is the worst shift mm. ever at a burger restaurant. Um, But no it's just you know I make 
make the milkshakes at work. Mm. And so, like, I'm going to be making a lot of milk. Oh, that's tough. I know. And the thing is, like, I don't like milkshakes. Like, I think they're overrated because I have a weird aversion to melted <sighs> ice cream. And so I, whenever, like, someone orders a shake, I'm furious because I'm like, this isn't worth your money. I'm going to attempt to sidestep this because when we get into fights about food, they last for literally 20 <laughs> minutes. And I know we have other things to talk about today. Yeah, we can't get but- into a fight. It's MLK weekend. We need with peace, a peaceful podcast. Yeah, you need to be peaceful to me if we're okay. going to be fucking honest. All right. But let's be serious. Milkshakes are amazing, especially vanilla. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> how was your weekend? How was your week up until now? My week was great. Yes. I did something with you. Yes. We did the same thing this week on Tuesday. Oh, was, right. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, I it forget. was, I believe, Wednesday. <laughs> okay. okay. We went to the premiere of a good friend of ours, Zach. Yes. He is a documentary filmmaker, and he directed this um, fucking amazing documentary amazing. called This Is Not Financial Advice. Everyone, write it down. Go on Apple. It's, like, it's on Apple TV, right? Yes, I think it's downloadable. On Apple, TV, on Apple TV, on your on formerly iTunes, wherever you can download movies from Apple, you can get This Is Not Financial Advice by our friend Zach. Yes. It is all about like the crypto, like like boom, boom, like th- that happened a couple years ago and everything. And the people who like found success on it didn't find success on it. And I went into it being like, I'm not gonna understand anything <laughs> the fuck that is happening because I do not understand the crypto nothing. But when I was sitting there, I was riveted. It was this movie is so good, and we're not just saying that because he's our friend. <laughs> like, like genuinely, right. I was just like, what is going to happen to all these people? That's the thing. Is like we're again not crypto bros. We were not really plugged in during the boom, and you know whatever happens with the cryptocurrencies. But I, we were sitting, me, Matt Steele, and our friend Janie, who's been on the podcast, obviously. And when you would see the thing is, sometimes they just show you like how much their cryptocurrency is worth, how much it has increased since the last time you saw the number, or decreased since the last time you saw the number. And there were some shots in which we all grabbed our chest and we're like, oh, well, because the amazing thing is it's like people were just like making like millions in crypto and then it would also show their actual bank account yes. next to it. And it was just like in the negatives. Right. And it's just and so the 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 movie like also really focused on like their lifestyles, yes. like how they went through their day to day life. Like the one the main guy, I would yeah. say, um, he's a very big YouTuber and it showed his day to day lifestyle, like being the YouTuber. He was like. Like crypto, 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 Dogecoin is the future, blah, blah, blah. And just showing him like in his little apartment, like live streaming. And he showed him live streaming like uh, uh, Elon Musk on SNL. And we were sitting there and we were just like, how is his computer not crashing? That's the thing. And like also, how is he allowed to stream? Not to make this about us, but how is he allowed to stream fucking NBC content as soon as we try to live stream or put up a little Kesha, Zach, yeah. a Kesha music video we get taken off the internet we get taken off the internet like what does he have that we don't have besides I millions don't. of dollars <laughs> in crypto well yeah millions of dogecoin dollars but yes so it is interesting there's crypto uh, folks there's a financial advisor who is uh, kind of just like does her um, advice or not real advice on TikTok of like this is how stock markets work yeah, she like it's, her thing is she makes it very simple absolutely yeah. oh there's uh, a person named Sanai Subject who is just uh, based in Long Beach and his whole thing is like I buy very boring stocks but I want to learn about investments and growing my uh, wealth so that I can buy back the block I want to buy these apartment buildings that I grew up in the homes that I grew up in because it would be great if this black neighborhood was owned by black people the buildings in it and it's just it's a great great film we cannot 
recommend it yeah. more highly. It showed so many different perspectives. Like it had the, the guy from Long Beach who was very much like crypto sucks. Like it's not going to be the thing. <laughs> yes. And then the guy who was just like crypto is the future. Yes. And another guy who lived in Indiana yes. who like Ooh, had a wife and it. children and a house mm-hmm. and he, he went through it. These people are going through it. There, there's a story arc for all yeah. of our subjects. Let's just and, say and that. And so well done. Like the music. I know. Like, and beautifully really shot. Good. It's like, I mean, I assume his rate is really high, but it's like, could you shoot 2K mats for us? <laughs> right? Like seriously. <laughs> I, the thing with like documentary filmmaking, I do not understand how people do. Like it sounds right. so daunting. Like okay, I'm gonna like start fo- like spending money to like hire these people to film these subjects, and I don't even know. Like there's no guarantee right. that there's a story there. So right. you really like have to be confident about the thing that you are filming, yes. and then create a story in the process. And it's just like I think documentary filmmakers are so brilliant. I and agree. It's just, and the risk that they take of just like they might have all this footage and it might lead up to nothing. Right. You or know? you have all this footage and it leads up to Monica being reality Von Teese on Housewives <laughs> of Salt Lake City. Oh, which, by the way, completely. I cannot stop thinking about. The first uh, episode of The Reunion has aired and it was fine. But I I, I just, I, I hate that I keep talking about it and bringing it up when it's not really relevant. But man alive, I can't tell you enough. This is Scandal level of television, guys. If you're interested, Salt Lake City only has four seasons. And the things that happen in season two and now season four are worth the viewing. I would say in hearing the two stories, like... A year, one year, the one scan of all yes. this year, the Monica thing. I would say the Monica story is far more interesting <laughs> <laughs> to my ears. Right. Like when the whole scan of all thing was happening, I was kind of just like, okay, so he cheated. That's, yes, that's but, you know, that's a common story. I get I get it. I didn't get the context yes, of the whole backstory. Yes. Also, I watched you watch Vanderpump Rules enough. Like, we all knew the guy was a jerk, right? Like, we I, all, like, we could all is, see it, right? A lot of people watch that show thinking that Sandoval was the hero. And what are he, we doing, I y'all? Mean, I watched five seconds of an episode, and I'm just like, this is a villain. Yeah, monster. <laughs> I always hated him, mostly because he hated Stassi, who wound up being a racist, but whatever. <laughs> There's a lot of villains, guys. A lot. Villains the thing have... is, the point of Vanderbump Rules is everyone's a villain. Everyone's a villain. Uh, but yes, did you do anything else this week? <laughs> oh, God, no. I don't know. I worked. I did. I, you know, I saw a movie. Oh, yes. I, you know, I, I I made it through. I love that. Thank you. Uh, well, for me, I think my week was similarly uh, not terribly crazy, but I went over to your house and we watched the new Lil Nas X video for Jay Christ. Mm-hmm. We watched uh, or listened to the new Ariana Grande song, Yes And, and I'm enjoying Yes And a lot. I'm re-listening to it. I'm excited for this new record. Absolutely. And then over the weekend, um, Jackson has some friends that he went to college with who live in Santa Barbara and they came down here for a night uh, with their son who is 12 years old. And so that was very fun. And we got to hang out and we went and did uh, we actually went to Century City over in our old neck of the woods. Oh my God, what were you doing there? Uh, we went to kind of just look around. She's, she works in retail, like in corporate, uh, like a corporate part of a retail store. But uh, we also wanted to go to this thing called Dreamscape, which I went to like four or five years ago, very early on in my dating of Jackson. It's kind of like a... Basically, you're putting on Apple Vision Pros Mm -hmm. and they're kind of showing you a whole like, oh, you're interacting and this is like an alien zoo moment. So it just was like a fun VR experience that the 12 year old would like because I was like, what is a 12 year old kid interested in? Because it's like you're not 
young enough that it's like, oh, we could watch Bluey. <laughs> You're not like an adult. So I'm like, what's that middle ground? And I was like, VR experience. Yeah. If you had that 12 year old here and you were like, we have plans for you, a Bluey. <laughs> I know. He'd be like, what? <laughs> like, I am 12. So I think we found something right in the pocket. Yeah, that's uh, great. We played some video games. We also walked around downtown a bit and showed them around before they drove back up to Santa Barbara area. And then after that, we sat on the couch and watched a television show that we'll talk about a bit later okay. because I'm excited to discuss it. Three episodes of it have dropped hint hint uh, but yeah nothing else too crazy besides I, that I also binged the first season of said television yes. show in preparation for this season of the television show Matt Palmer will be talking about I'm excited to hear your thoughts on all the seasons and episodes right. you've seen okay Um. so wait should we dive into news for idiots yeah let's go okay let's go and okay. I apologize some of my order might not be exactly right usually I organize uh, these by you know most important but I didn't do that this week so we're all gonna just have to deal okay but we are gonna start with the Golden Globes. Very important because we famously were recording the podcast as they were happening last week. Yes. And so they were um, hosted by Joe Coy, who people did not like how he did. (laughs) Um, And so the monologue apparently had some jokes that caused a lot of stir. The jokes that I am seeing here are uh, talking about Oppenheimer versus Barbie. And he says, quote, um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Oppenheimer is based on a 721 Pulitzer Prize winning book about the Manhattan Project and Barbie is on a plastic doll with big boobies. Um, then he also goes on to say the key moment in Barbie is when she goes from perfect beauty to bad breath, cellulite, or in flat feet, or what casting directors call character actor. And when his joke was met with minimal laughs, Joe giggled and added, some I wrote and some other people wrote, the ones you're laughing at I wrote. Matt Steele. Yeah. How do you feel about Joe Coy's performance as the host of the Golden Globes and about that joke, those jokes in particular? Well, first of all, I just want to say that I I watched the Golden Globes in a bit of a haze because I- <laughs> A uh, wait, lavender haze? I, it, was, it was every color <laughs> because I, it was 2.30 in the morning yes. when I started the Golden Globes uh, because that was when they went on streaming. And mm. when they popped up, I was like, I was about to go to bed. And I was like, oh, I'll watch these in the morning. But then they popped up and I was like, no, I'm going to watch these until <laughs> 4.30 in the morning because wow. I wanted to see them. Uh, and so I kind of like watched everything like kind of in a, you know, the haze of just like, oh, okay, that was the monologue. That was this. Like, I, I didn't really think much of anything. And yeah. then I went online <laughs> and I saw everyone talking about this opening monologue. Right. And I was kind of like, I was so unfazed by this monologue. <laughs> like, I think y'all need to leave this poor man alone. Mm. I don't understand why everyone is so upset. So would you say that you are leading the Justice for Joe Coy movement? Yes, I am. Wow. Like, leave that guy alone. Like, listen, <laughs> like, I, I, if you didn't like the, the set, sure. But, like, people are acting like he had murdered their children or something for that, literally that one joke. Well, there was um, another one people didn't like. Oh, that, well, girl. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess we'll get into that. We will. But, but like the Oppenheimer Barbie joke, I interpreted that moment as like, like, okay, Oppenheimer, yes, it's based on this 700 whatever page book and blah, 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 blah. And it's so serious and everything. And when he said the Barbie part of the joke, he was like, and Barbie's about a woman, plastic doll with big boobies. I took that as him like making fun of the people who will delegitimize the Barbie movie. Mm. Like I took that as him like like making fun of those stupid people because he right. like put on a voice and all that stuff. Like yeah, I, so I I guess people didn't like you know you can interpret the joke however you want, mm. but that's how I interpreted the joke. Um, and the with the character actor yeah. joke was literally just him taking a shot at Hollywood, just being like, "Oh, anyone who's not perfect, you you 
like sort of designating as like the the character actor. Right. You don't you don't give them a chance. What he did do that I do not like when comedians do. What yeah. he is guilty of, in my opinion, is I hate it when comedians acknowledge that like people aren't laughing. Mm. But also the Golden Globes every year like literally three quarters of the audience isn't paying attention to the opening <laughs> monologue. So, and that as a viewer is very frustrating to watch. Cause I'm like, why are people talking through the monologue? Right. Um, and also when he said the character actor joke, there was laughter. Like mm. I would never have known that the laughter, I guess wasn't that big until right. he said something. So I, I, you know, I don't think he needed to do that. I will say um, for me, who's just watched the clips online, have seen the quotes written out, so I don't know exactly what's going on with all the jokes and how they were told. I will say the throwing the writers under the bus. Yes, was the throwing the, the writers part. under the bus was to me. Not good. It was just like okay, sometimes people come up with sets. You're a comedian. You're going to bomb sometimes. You're not doing well in this room. They won't rehire you. It's fine. Just get through the night. Yeah. You don't need to be throwing people under the bus who like are working for a living and need to find other jobs. And like now, none of them can put this on their resume, which they probably wouldn't have either way. But sure. it's just like seems like gross and weird and like unnecessary. Yeah. I don't know. The, I just. I feel like there was a way to go into this hosting gig, even if the jokes weren't landing, and just have it be more of a non-event. But the fact that he's going to go out of his way to be like, oh, well, the ones that I wrote, you're laughing at. I'm like, I only had 10 days to do this. Yeah. It's like, you're scrambling. And like, that makes me uncomfortable as a viewer or even like a reader of this. It's and that's like, what I hate. That's why yeah. I hate when comedians do it. Because like a comedian, and a comedian will always do it when like, I actually liked the joke. Like, but <laughs> I just like wasn't necessarily laughing as loud as they wanted me right. to. And so it's like, why are you like making me feel uncomfortable when like I'm actually enjoying you. Right. Like, so so to me, yeah, like what he is guilty of is like commenting on what how he thought he did mm. as opposed to like the actual jokes he was saying. Right. You I know? think that's fair. And also just don't throw people that work for you under the bus. Do not throw you people know. who work for you under the bus. Like it was a team effort. Yes. And everything like just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is 2024 and we are team employee, not team employer. So come on, let's do better next time. Um, I will say... Uh, the Taylor Swift joke, again, from the clip I've seen, from how it was told, apparently says the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL. At the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. My feeling here, this joke is not funny. It's like barely a joke. It's more like, okay, this is what happens. Taylor Swift, when they cut to her, didn't need to laugh at it. The people who are like, look at her not laughing. She's such a bitch are crazy. Sure. But also, I mean, I hate to go to the Justice Joe Coy moment, it wasn't offensive. Not in the slightest. It was not a good joke. It wasn't funny. I didn't laugh. But it wasn't like, um, I feel like people are like, you're belittling her. Why don't you talk about her achievements? It's like, I mean, well, he was trying to make a joke. It just wasn't a good one. But it wasn't, I don't think it was sexist. I don't think it yeah. was undercutting her talent. It was just like, a, oh, yeah, they do cut to her a lot of the NFL games. Maybe it's riling those people up who are actually mad about that. But it's like. That's so far removed from my brain. I don't interact with people that are mad that the NFL shows Taylor Swift when, like, I just, it, it people were mad in a way that I didn't understand about that moment in particular. Sure. You know? Yeah, I, I, I really don't understand why anyone was upset with that joke. And it's kind of like, oh, well, you could acknowledge her accomplishments. And it's kind of just like, yeah, but the Golden Globes, like, they don't do this every year, the Golden Globes. But a lot of times, like, the Golden Globes host will, like, roast the right. people in the room. Like, are you going to roast everyone and then just be like, but Taylor Swift. 
Oh, ev- do you all know everything she's done? It's like it, we all know everything, Taylor. <laughs> like Taylor Swift's accomplishments, <laughs> like are are touted. Yeah, the top a lot. of mind. Like it's not like it's not like she's um, underrated, you mm. know. So I I don't understand why people were yeah. upset with that. Joke. Yeah. And honestly, like yeah, like like the joke wasn't the like funniest joke or anything, but it, you could tell it was producers being like, okay, you need to say something about Taylor Swift, right? <laughs> like so that we can show that she's in the audience, right? And it's like you either know? make the joke funnier or like say no we don't feel like doing that um but it wasn't i wasn't offended by the joke it just was a bad joke but i hear bad jokes all the time oh my god <laughs> you know what happened yeah. so best of luck to him in his future uh the ratings did climb 50 percent from 2023 so i'm sure that's exciting for some people who you know this is an award show that just got back on the air because of what racism <laughs> so now they're back we don't know who's behind it but people are happy that uh, apparently it averaged this year 9.4 million viewers up 50 percent from last year the 2021 shows rating plummeted from 18.32 million viewers in 2020 to just 6.91 million viewers oh so we're still trying to move back up oh, sure. that 18 is still a bit away well listen to be fair nothing on tv is getting the ratings that it did 20 years ago that's true <laughs> like, come on but that's not, well no 2020 isn't 20 years ago right 20 2020 was when it was 18.32. Oh, well, sure. But like it's it's going to be in a de- decline naturally. Sure. But that's a jump. That's a big jump. Well, sure. But <laughs> also like COVID happens. Like, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes, I don't know. It makes sense to me. It make, yeah. I mean, you should hire someone who would do a better job. I don't know. It just didn't. I, I don't know that the ratings were in reference to the Joe Coy doing a bad job. But it also was just like, oh, those ratings, while they're up from the year prior, they're still bad versus sure. the 18. My, my problem with like a bunch of these award shows is like they try to cater to people who don't care about these awards. You know, right, it's like exactly. cater to the people who like actually That's always your it. opinion. It's like, why are we trying to make this as general because as possible? Because then like people who don't care about the awards will watch it and be like, oh, like, the, like these people are in their bag. Right. Like you, it's because nothing is like less appealing than seeing someone not in their bag, like trying to do something not in their bag. Right. You know, as opposed to like being their authentic selves, All like right. have like a person who is authentically excited to like host these things and like people like writers who like are authentically excited about awards, right. you know, you Which know, I, I think Matt Steele's throwing his hat in the ring. <laughs> I think he's ready to host the Golden Globes. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I think he's going to do a great job. If you need me to be there, I'll be there and be like, yes, I go film. I don't want to do stand up. <laughs> I'm fine. I think that'd be great for you. Uh, but in more positive news for all of us, the Mean Girls musical movie has ruled over the competition with $32 million this uh, Martin Luther King Day Jr. weekend. Uh, apparently, it took in $28 million this weekend and it's expected to bump up to $32 million with tomorrow's holiday uh that's 36 million um wait that's 36 million dollars uh, in the film added to another 6.5 million dollars internationally for a big global debut and i feel like for all of the talk of like oh everyone hates musicals we have to pretend that things aren't musicals when we make trailers clearly enough people knew this was a fucking musical and the success of the wonkas and color purples and the mean girls makes me think hey maybe we can stop hiding the fact that things are musicals because people will want to fucking see them because like again be in your bag yes like, be in your bag it's a musical <laughs> advertised as a musical so people can be like oh these people right. who like musicals like they're having fun because like we're not trying to be something that we're not we like musicals I've have it be a musical heard great things about Renee Rapp's performance particularly. I've heard great things about the actress who plays Karen. I'm very excited to see this. I'm seeing this tomorrow. I am just a little nervous because I did listen to World Burn and while it was good I worry we're trying to take the musical theater 
elements of the production out and feel like the sound felt a little muted to me. It feels like we're aiming to be on the radio. It feels more like the Hamilton mixtape than it felt like Hamilton. And I like the songs that I like from Mean Girls as they are. And so maybe for people who have not listened to the original Broadway cast recording, they would be more, you know, happy to hear these versions of the songs. But someone in the chat did say they butchered um, Stupid with Stupid in Love, Stupid with Love, love. which is one of your faves. I love that song. How do you butcher Stupid with Love? Just have her sing it. Like, what's there? Like, what did you do? Like, make it like a Billie Eilish song? Like, what the fuck? How can you do anything else to Stupid with Love other than what's already been done with Stupid with Love? It's already great. I'm glad clearly sexy must work if everyone's talking about how good Karen is in this film. Um, But then again, I do sometimes love when there is like like a... if when people do creative things with the orchestrations of yes. like a movie musical, like the movie, there's a movie version of the musical Hello Again, mm. and Hello Again is very much like a small chamber a music, like off Broadway musical from 1994, written by Michael John Lacusa with a cast of ten and like an orchestra of like I don't know five mm. or something, right. and I have no clue, but it's a small one. Yeah, um, uh, I was in the show and it was like a piano and a cello, like that's it. <laughs> that's all you need. That's all you need. And um, and but then when they made the movie version, like they did really cool things with the production of the songs and like I don't know I love listening to both the original cast recording and the movie version because I'm like these feel so different but they're the same songs that like I love right and so I don't know sometimes I feel like that can work um, I'm open to it. I'm just nervous because okay. I am, you know, I like that cast recording a lot and I don't know that changes were necessary, at least from World Burn. Things are pretty much the same, but I just am nervous, but I am, I am excited because Renee Rapp vocally is going to give me everything I've ever needed as Regina. I love Taylor Louderman as Regina, honestly, oh, great. but this, you know, Renee Rapp is also an incredible vocalist who's going to give it more of a pop R&B flair. I'm excited to hear it, excited to see it. I'm just, I'm just excited. It's doing well. I'm hearing more people say that they like it than they didn't. Well, and the thing that I love about Renee Rapp playing this role is like she's you know openly gay and mm. there's like a there's a toughness about her Absolutely. like she's a lesbian <laughs> and so like so like there is like a, a lesbian <laughs> so, so it's just so interesting to like see Regina George be that yes. I think that's so emblematic of like what a mean it shows you like what a mean girl was in 2004 right. which was so girly yes and then there is what a mean girl is in right. 2024 where it's like this tough girl right. who like kind of like not only is she like manipulative and like nasty but right. like she can also probably physically kick your ass <laughs> you know it also yeah it definitely highlights the difference of like what I imagine the coolest person in high school is now yeah. versus when we were in high school it is very different and I've only heard good things about her performance I also love that in I, people are making like montages of her on this Mean Girls press tour and she's always just going off on her own tangents it's like no one has media trained this girl at all she's like by the way I fucking love Megan the Stallion and that man who shot her if he sees me I'd fuck him up and it's like okay well this isn't actually about that like I think she was sitting there with the actor who plays Aaron Samuels when she gave this diatribe this monologue and it was just like he was just like oh my (laughs) but like I love that for her I love that for us that we get you know our leading lady Regina is not scared to say what she feels because I feel like this is sadly and weirdly the most public support Megan the Stallion has gotten (laughs) about that whole Tory Lane situation was from this girl and even if it is later on in the timeline of events, I'm glad Renee is vocally and outwardly standing up for Megan and she can sing her face off and she's going to be a great Regina. Yeah. I can't wait. I mean, I love a justice for a moment. You do. You had justice for Joe Coy earlier. Yeah, justice for guys. Remember 
Justice for Joe Coy. Which I'm not a part of, by the way. I'm a part of it. Hey, I, why not? Hey, I love being the more popular Matt. <laughs> when you were having this argument in the Discord, I jumped in just to be like, I'm glad everyone likes this Matt better today. Well, Thank Logan, you. you're the Aaron Samuels actor. I am uh, Renee Rapp. Just being like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, but Renee's on the right side of history. <laughs> I'm on the, the right difference. side of history. <laughs> um, well, speaking of history, yeah. a biopic of a historical singer has been greenlit. And uh, Linda Ronstadt will be portrayed by Miss Selena Gomez. This is according to Rolling Stone. It has been confirmed. Uh, fans began to speculate online about a potential casting after Gomez posted an Instagram story of Ronstadt's 2013 memoir, Simple Dreams. The uh, biopic is currently in pre-production um, with Ronstadt's manager and James Keach co-producing. Additional casting details and release date have not been announced. This is exciting. I think Selena Gomez, I feel like a lot of people, I've heard some negative things about her acting recently. Oh, which by the way, did you see that Golden Globes tweet and or TikTok that I think, I need to figure out who it came from. I don't know if it was Deadline or Hollywood Reporter or something, but it was like an official source that like recorded the seating arrangement, but like didn't mute what was being said. Yes, it was for the Emmys. Oh, was it the Emmys? It was for the Emmys. And they didn't mute like the recording of like, oh, this is what's being said in the background while we're looking at like the seating arrangement of where people are going to sit at the Emmys and someone goes oh my god she's such a terrible actress she's so actor she's so monotone and everyone's like guessing who they were talking about it's like guys I know and the fact that it was posted it was I think it's still up that's it's like out of control no one saw that and was like we must put music over this we yes. must or like it. film another video film something else where someone's not talking shit about someone like, who's going to be in the audience this had to have been posted or recorded by someone who's like I don't know, went to school for social media, something. (laughs) I don't know. Do people major in that now? They must. (laughs) Like PR somebody. Right. Didn't they know like, oh, like this audio is in the, don't you check the audio before you post? You've got to check the audio. If we've learned anything in our 11 years as two gay maps, you got to check the audio. And who could they be talking about? (laughs) I don't know. The the rumor was it was either Selena Gomez or um, maybe Jenna Ortega. I mean, it could literally be anyone. It could be, but that was like the scuttlebutt online. I mean, it's because like you saw their pictures, but like the person could have been across the room saying it about some other picture they were looking at. I think they were close. (laughs) (laughs) I think they were close to that microphone. They could have been talking about someone across the room. I think they were close to that mic. Uh, But yes, the question has of course come up. Do is Selena Gomez going to be singing these songs live? And or like, is it going to be her vocals? Are we gonna hear Selena Gomez covers of Linda Ronstadt songs? And to that I say, absolutely not. And nor should she. <laughs> like, I don't even understand why it's a question. Like, I I don't know much about Linda Ronstadt, but I know that she's often been compared to like the Kelly Clarkson of her time vocally. And no one is shitting on Selena Gomez's voice. I think she has a lovely voice. It is very appropriate for the music she makes. But it's like when they make the Mariah biopic or Mariah bio series. No one's going to be singing those Mariah fucking songs. Of course someone will dub her voice. I think it's a weird thought that they wouldn't. And I don't think there's anything to make fun of Selena about. I mean, that person dubbing her voice will probably be Linda Ronson. <laughs> right. It could just be the original recordings, especially if they're working with her, you know, manager or whatever. So, yeah, it just seems weird that it's even being discussed. Like, and I don't think it's shade. Like, I'm saying this and I'm not trying to be shady when saying it. It's just... 
they're an ocean apart in tones and like they, what they're they able do to do. They do different things. They do different things. Selena different just things. said she's going to focus on her acting. Yeah, we love Selena. We talked about it last we week. We do. Justice for Selena. Um, so yeah, that is upcoming. Do you see the SAG nominations are out? How do you feel about the nominees? I feel nice. I mean, I'm happy like <laughs> talented people were nominated. Seems like a lot of Barbie, a lot of Oppenheimer, a lot of Succession on the TV side of things. Anyone in particular that you're rooting for? Um, I mean, I, I've, I mean... They're all great. The, the thing is, like, performance by a female actor in a leading role, like, this year, the leading actress category is so stacked. Right. And it's kind of just, like, there are, like, nine contenders where I'm like, I wish they all could be I in. know. <laughs> and so, I like, I don't it. know what's going to happen Oscar night. Um. So... So so that race is like so up in the air. Yeah. Um, I do think Lily Gladstone is going to take it. I do think she's going to take it at the Oscars. At the Oscars. At, I do think she's going to take it at the SAGs. And I also think she might take it at the Oscars. Okay. I, because I think that Golden Globes, well, first of all, she's excellent. But right. also that Golden Globe speech mm. she gave at the Golden Globes was so fucking good. Wow. It was so, 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 so good. So. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, uh, I think now we can solidify that Davine Joyce, uh, Joy Randolph is, uh, or Joyce Randolph. Oh my God. Divine Joyce Randolph or Joy Randolph. Why am I having a brain fart? Joy Randolph. Joy Randolph. Because she gives us joy. Um, <laughs> she, I think she is now solidified as the front runner for, uh, I best wish, which I mean, I haven't seen the holdovers yet and I plan to, oh, I actually plan fabulous. to see a lot of the Oscar, probably Oscar movies because it seems like a lot of them are things I would like to see. I would love if they threw, if they threw, uh, Daniel. Brooks something. I mean, Danielle Brooks is fucking excellent. Unbelievable yeah. in The Color Purple. And so, of course, I haven't seen Dave Vine's performance yet. I'm she's sure I will. So, she's fantastic. She's so great. I'm sure I will love it just like, as much. But, like, I, Danielle, just, like, the breadth of what she has to do over the course of that film. If we're talking arc, she's the Monica Garcia of that film. Okay. <laughs> Sophia in The Color yes. Purple is the Monica Garcia. Yeah, and then... Well, Go on. <laughs> well, the the for, for the ensemble nomination. Yes. Um, I believe it was uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I believe it those? was. I think go up. Go, go no, up. Don't go up. It's. Uh, I believe it was uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. It was Oppenheimer. Killers of the Flower Moon. The Color Purple. Barbie. American Fiction. Oh wow, American Fiction. Sad really loved American Fiction, and I haven't seen American Fiction yet. I'd love so to I'm, see it. I'm excited to see that. Um, like a, a Sterling K. Brown was very much a surprise nomination in supporting actor. Congrats. Um, to a lot him. of people were predicting Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things mm. uh, to be in over him, but so you know we love a surprise. Um, I think. The voters will give it to to Oppenheimer just because okay. it's the big movie. Guys, Oppenheimer's winning it. <laughs> like Oppenheimer's just gonna win. What? Okay, at the Oscars, yeah. not the, or the SAGs, whatever, whichever award. What is Barbie going to win outside of song? Uh, it's going to win song. It's going to win art direction. I okay. think it could win costumes, maybe hair and makeup. Okay, I don't know. Um, and I think it. I think it is the front runner for adapted screenplay. Okay. I really think it could take adapted screenplay. And who is um, the supporting actor that is knocking Ryan Gosling out of the conversation for you? Out for me? Yeah, for you. N- no one's knocking him out of the conversation. Uh, for for, me. for who wins? Oh, for who, who wins? wins? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'd be happy if Ryan Gosling won for Barbie. Oh, but I but I think Robert Downey Jr. is the front runner. Got it. Okay. Yes. Okay, that's what you meant. Yes. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is like officially the front runner for. For Oppenheimer, for okay. supporting actor, great, yeah. So love that. But I mean, him. Ryan Gosling could throw in a sneak in there, or like honestly, Charles Melton could surprise everyone. Mm. I mean, and it was shocking that Charles Melton didn't got not get a SAG nomination, yeah, because he, it, like, that's like the kind of the him and Lily Gladstone are kind of like the breakout performances right. of the year. Did like, he win a Golden Globe? No, he was, he was nominated. He was nominated. I feel was, like I saw him on stage winning something somewhere. 
Uh, maybe. Okay. Uh, well, he, he was so fantastic in May, December, but yes. SAG, the SAG nominating committee did not go for May, December. Apparently, Paul Thomas Anderson has assembled an all-star cast for his next movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, Sean Penn, and most importantly, uh, <laughs> Regina Hall. The only reason I'm talking about this is because she should be in every fucking movie. Regina Hall and Paul Thomas Anderson is a combination that I never knew I needed, and now I will not be able to think of anything else until it happens. I am just so excited for her to have her like prestige film oh. moment. Like I need every prestige director. I want her in a Greta Gerwig film. I want her all over everything in the world because she is so fucking funny, so fucking talented, so fucking beautiful. So fucking like, fantastic. Real justice for Regina Hall. I mean, and and she, Paul Thomas Anderson, he is going to give her shit to do. Absolutely. Like, his scripts, you're always just like, what is everyone doing? <laughs> like he is going to give her so much to do. Another request, Paul, mm. that I want to ask of you Whatever role you owe, you have Harriet Harris, you've worked with Harriet Harris many times, and she is always like the fucking best parts of your movies. Like Harriet Harris in Licorice Pizza mm. is so unbelievably good. So, Paul Thomas Anderson, I am begging you, give Harriet Harris a huge role as well in this movie. <laughs> whatever this movie is about, throw her in it, get her a supporting actress nomination, whatever you got to do, because Harriet Harris in Paul Thomas Anderson movies is like the biggest joy on the planet. Would you be mad at me if I said I'd never heard the name Harriet Harris before? Well, she's a Tony Award winner, 2002 okay. <laughs> featured actress in a musical for Thoroughly Modern Millie. Great. And she, if you've seen uh, Licorice Pizza, you haven't. No. If you've seen uh, uh, Phantom Thread, you no. haven't. Like, you would know who this woman is. Okay. Just like YouTube, Harriet Harris, Licorice Pizza, and it's mm. literally just like a seven minute, I don't know how long it is, but like it's just a close up shot of her being a talent manager okay. with a cigarette in her hand being incredible. And it doesn't cut away from her. Like she is All right. so excellent. All right. Yeah. All right. Harriet Harris. We Harriet love you. Harriet Harris and Regina Hall together on screen. Right. We're manifesting <laughs> that. That lady I don't know and Regina Hall. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Britney Spears' memoir, The Woman in Me, has surpassed over 2 million copies sold. We love that for her. I am so excited that she is finding success in new areas now that she has told us all a million times she won't be doing music again. Um, did you watch the trailer for the Back to Black? I did. Amy Winehouse biopic. How, what did you think? I thought it was nice. I'm nervous. Why? I didn't like how she sounded. <laughs> I didn't think the vocals were right. Like Amy has such a special voice and I realize not being able to use her vocals, which apparently they weren't, it's going to be tough. I feel like the vocal performance was just so very flat in a way that Amy's is not. I I I didn't like it. Well, look, and I'm not a stickler for this. I feel like in a lot of ways, and maybe if the voice was more in line with what I was expecting, I would be more fine with it. She she, I feel like also because of uh, Amy Winehouse's style, it feels like a girl in an Amy Winehouse costume that looks nothing like, and like just doesn't read like Amy Winehouse to me at all. You know what I'm saying? Like I just wasn't, I didn't get Amy from the film. I got Amy from the film. I, you know, I, I will wait to see what happens. I'm yes. all about like, I don't care how good of an impression it is as long as the interpretation is incredible. Like did Renee Zellweger sound like Judy Garland? No, but <laughs> was her performance so fucking fantastic? Absolutely. And the interpretation of like someone creating that type of character like was so excellent. Like it was undeniable. And so I, I'm waiting to see what happens. I believe. I just feel like when you saw the Judy trailer, though, were you getting those feelings already that like this is going to be something great? 
Oh yeah, I loved the, I loved everything about Judy, and Judy was paid dust by like people. They were just like, oh, it's just Renee that's good, in it, and everything else sucks. And I'm just like, I really liked it. Like, I really liked the script. I really liked the story. I thought it was really well done. Well, I didn't get that from the Amy trailer. That's and it's also like harder, I guess, probably for audiences when the person is more recently past oh, sure. if someone's been more recently in the zeitgeist because it's like we know what Amy should well, and be. to be fair you are <sighs> more knowledgeable of Amy Winehouse than yes. I am you know yes. I just I just know back to black and uh what's uh uh I saw mommy kissing oh, <laughs> her incredible version of I saw mommy kissing you know, Santa Claus. so ah, yes. you're, you're more familiar I'm familiar and I'm open to it being great but that trailer, I was like, "This is a no." This like it just was. It was giving Lifetime a little bit. I must say, I and mean, I, I, Lifetime's great. <laughs> Lifetime's great, but like, don't tell me it's a cinematic moment. Sure. When this is, you know, a, a Glee cover episode. Okay. All right. Uh, apparently, sorry. I just I feel like people have gotten on me being like, "Oh, why do you always talk about the drama between gays and girls? Whatever, whatever." Because it's interesting. <laughs> so apparently. Queer Eye Drama. Because obviously Bobby is leaving the show. It was announced. He announced it. The team announced it. There apparently has, they've pinpointed a source of contention within the five. Okay. And it is Bobby versus Tan. I'm sorry, which one's Bobby? The blonde? Bobby's uh, that one who does okay, all of the. The blonde. Yes, the, the furniture. Yeah. yeah. Furniture. Furniture. Sure. It does everything. Yes. I, I, that's what I know <laughs> does, about Bobby. He does, does everything. everything. On November 13th, Bobby announced that he would leave Queer Eye. Every cast member commented in support for him, except Tan. <laughs> Bobby then unfollowed Tan, and Tan unfollowed Bobby. Uh, Us Weekly published an article alleging that Bobby was asked to leave because he didn't vibe with the cast. Bobby cited says it was amicable. Bobby has hinted he's getting his own show. Uh, Bobby published a poster for season eight of Queer Eye on his Instagram uh, and tagged everyone except Tan. He also liked a comment that read, if Bobby is not cool with Tan, then I'm not cool with Tan. Oh, Bobby, come on. Quickly after, Bobby backtracked by posting a photo that says, me after someone borrows my phone to search something. And uh, the recent search history is Bobby. Bobby Burke read it, sing, saying that like, oh, some friend did this on his behalf. It's just drama. I know there's drama. I love Bobby. I love Tan. What's the issue? Will we ever know? Or is this going to be like glee shit where it's like we all know there was drama all over that cast, but no one is brave enough to write a motherfucking memoir? I feel like, of course, glee. How many pages would this memoir be? Of the glee thing or of the, oh, well, the glee thing? That's a, that's, hey. a, that's a Bible. I, <laughs> but like this, this drama, I feel like would just be more like a news article. I'm sure Bobby or Tan could one day write a memoir of their entire life. And there could be a chapter. Okay. There could be a chapter. chapter. That's all I'm asking. It was just a chapter. Like when Naya Rivera wrote her memoir and had the chapter about when she was dating Big Sean and how she came over home one time and Ariana Grande was sitting on her couch and then eventually Big Sean broke up with her and was with Ariana. Whatever. So I just need a chapter. I'm not asking for a full feud series, Ryan Murphy, of this, but I want to know. What's going on? Okay. Why is there a Fisher in the group? I would want to know, like, I I always want to know, like, what... Two random celebrities hate each other and we have no clue. <laughs> or like what two celebrities have had sex and we have no clue. Mm, like I feel I, like the list of both of those is long. Yeah, but I want to know like the most random pairings. You know, I mean, like, th- th- that's the thing is I, someone was saying that uh, I'm more interested in what happened between Deborah Messing and Megan Mullally. Hey, why not both? <laughs> I want that information. Sure. Uh, and yes, I would love to be surprised with information. I feel like that, that happens probably later on in life. Like I feel like as we get older and you know, people move to the next part of their journey on the plane or another plane. We're going to get more dirt about people after they've died. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, I feel like, um, yeah, there's, there's, 
there's more to well, it. Well, you, know, you know, something to look forward to after sadness. <laughs> exactly. Something to look forward to in retirement is reading about who from our golden age secretly hated each other. You know, other. guys, we <laughs> as human beings, we never really die. Our feuds live they do. beyond us. They really do. Much like the audio from this little machine that you are recording <laughs> now. Exactly. Did you see that Mia Goth is being sued for allegedly kicking a stunt double in the head? I saw that. What? I don't know. It's weird. The plaintiff, James Hunter, was hired to play a dead parishioner in Maxine for three days of filming. Goth's character was allegedly supposed to run over him, sometimes step over him, look down and keep running. However, he says she nearly stepped on him once, prompting him to complain. On the next take, he claims she deliberately kicked him in the head while wearing boots. Later, he claims that in a private, she belittled him and taunted him to try to do something about it. He claims that he was wrongfully fired before the remaining two days of the shoot. If this is true... Oh, that's nuts. Monster. If this is true, she must be blacklisted. I never want to see her again. I mean, sure. Yeah, you can't act like that. No. Ever. You, like, ever. whether whoever you are, and, wherever you are. babe, Mia Goth is not Angelina Jolie. Like, you're not a fucking household name, girl. Listen, the only one who can kick a no. stunt person is Angelina <laughs> I Jolie. I didn't say that. <laughs> but I'm just saying you're not at the level where you could even convince yourself that you could do this and not get in trouble for it. Unless you're completely delusional, which maybe she is. Apparently, this is all legend. We'll see if it's true. I mean, her but performances are out there, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. That, I would love that she's if, a little unhinged. I would love if this was proven to be false. Because how she gross! Plays, she plays unhinged people very well. well like, when I say very well, I mean like incredible. Well, well, if this comes out to be true, she will have played unhinged people very well. She will go the way of um, who Jonathan Majors and his different Coretta's. And we'll never hear about them on the silver I mean, screen yeah. again because this is just complete bullshit. You don't do things like this to people who work for you are lower on the call, sh- call sheet than you. Like, just don't be an asshole. Don't is that not asshole. the year's theme? Don't be a fucking don't asshole. Don't be, don't be an asshole. It feels like an easy ask. It's 2024, guys. Yeah, don't do that shit. Yeah. Um, okay, is there any other news for idiots you want to share with the people? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick break and then be back with more 2Game Mats, the podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, guys, we are back, and Matt Palmer has a message for every single one of you. You better listen. Guys, thank you so much for listening or watching the podcast. It means so much to us, and we want to make sure this podcast reaches as many listeners or viewers as possible, and that would help so much if you went to your Apple Podcasts or your Spotify and left a five-star rating and or review. We, again, only accept five-star ratings and reviews, so if it's less than that, you got to what? Keep it to yourself. Um, it helps so much just in the algorithm getting this podcast up on the Apple podcast charts, up on the Spotify podcast charts. We would love you so much. And if you'd like us even more and want extra bonus content from us, make sure to go to patreon.com slash 2 mats. Right after this, we'll be watching the music video for Yes And by Ariana Grande and putting our reaction to that straight up there. You get uh, access to the Discord where you can talk to a bunch of new friends around the world that you just haven't met yet. Uh, and then for certain tiers, you actually can request that we review or react to something of your choosing. It's just a beautiful thing to do. It helps us so much. So go to patreon.com slash 2 mats if you really love us. That was There was not a stumble in that Thank monologue. you so much. Girl, that was utterly fantastic. You've been rehearsing. I appreciate I'm always in the mirror. 
I'm not. But I appreciate that you could think that I was for a yeah, second. You're a professional. <laughs> guys, this is Email My Heart. This is the section of the podcast where we answer any questions that you guys might have. You can be a part of Email My Heart if you email us at twogaymats at gmail.com. Two is spelled T-W-O. And this week, we got a bunch of questions just from the live chat. Yes. I don't remember who asked what. <laughs> I can try to but, scroll up for you. Uh, we, we just got a bunch of fun little questions. The one that was the most daunting, I would yes. say, uh, was who would you cast in? Illegally Blonde, the musical movie. That was Michael Smith. Yes. He asked that. Who would you cast? What's your dream casting for a future Legally Blonde, the movie musical? And it's like, girl, I don't know. We just want it to happen. That's we the thing. We just need it to happen. And someone threw out that they uh, didn't want Dove Cameron. And I'm like, oh, actually, I would love her. <laughs> like, she would actually be really excellent. Yes. I think Jennifer Coolidge could reprise her role. Of course she could. As, as Paulette. I mean, I don't know. Does Jennifer Coolidge sing? I Who don't know. Who gives a fuck? I want to hear. That's a great song that she gets to sing in the show. Yeah. I would like a real, no no shade, a real singer to do but, it. But like, she would sell it so in the movie version. And I think she could absolutely pull hey, it off. Hey, or maybe they'd pull a Selena and Linda Ronstadt. They get someone to dub over her voice. That'd be fine. <laughs> I guess. I mean, like, like uh, just have Orfe. Apps. Uh, or just give Orfe the movie. Like, <laughs> she can still do it. But the long and short of it is, guys, lest we forget that Mean Girls the Musical was initially going to debut on Paramount+. Plus. This was a film that was made for and when it was announced was going to be streaming only. And then they decided to put it in theaters after all of those deadline articles saying that people don't want to see movie musicals. It made $34 million this weekend. Hopefully with the success of this, the success of The Color Purple, this is success of Wonka the studios are getting the message that people want to see musicals and Reese you love nothing more than money and putting out shit that you own and are a part of and have a piece of the pie and I'm I, sure she loves her kids as well sure whatever <laughs> but also we need this like I realize you're working on Legally Blonde 3 and that you and Mindy Kaling are getting a script together that I'm sure will take some time the source material for the musical is already there we want to see it as much as I like the Mean Girls musical the Legally Blonde musical is another level of musical comedy that like shaped our lives at least a certain theater interested people's lives that are our age watch that fucking live on MTV we watched the reality show I was there in person yes. in that audience when it was recorded for MTV make, in the balcony screaming make this movie make it great put it in theaters it will make money and it will be such a joy and I do want you to keep it very true to the original do arrangements do not change See? the script it is ready or the arrangements of the songs or the arrangements of, oh, These, we were talking about that we yeah. don't need a Hamilton mixtape of the Legally Blonde musical. Just do what you do so well already and put it on a screen. Well, because the thing with like Mean Girls, like I could see like why like, oh, maybe let's change some of the orchestrations to go along more with like the gen oh, high schoolers. Now they're not even Gen Z now. Are I think they? they're Gen Z. Oh, are they still Gen I think Z? High school, okay. yes. For you. Uh, <laughs> and like I imagine like you would want that to be like, oh no, this is a different generation, like a little cooler, like sure. vibe or whatever. Legally Blonde, the perkiness is the point. And so Hello. it's like, nope. Have the orchestrations Absolutely. be the damn same. Thank you. So, so we who do we want to cast in the Legally Blonde movie musical? The same people who did it on Broadway. <laughs> I the didn't say that. Same orchestrator, everything. Same orchestrator. Same actors. Probably not. They probably look a little long in the tooth for the film. But whoever can fucking do the job and just don't change anything. Whoever can nail that comedy. Whoever can nail the comedy and nail the vocal. We need yes. both. We need that, both. That last note and so much better. It's uh, hard. It's not easy. It's not it's easy. Not especially easy. when you never leave the stage for a second. Yes. Fuck yes. Justice for Laura Bell Bundy, an incredible performer. Uh, we got a couple of other questions. Like, uh, 
dream home, dream dog, and favorite candle scent. Do you have an opinion on any of these topics? Uh, I we talked about how like we don't really have a dream dog. I feel like with the dog, you you got to go into it just being like whichever. If, if I'm shopping for a dog, mm. please don't shop. Actually, <laughs> if, <laughs> if, I, if I'm looking for a dog, yes, rescuing. Uh, a if dog. I'm rescuing a yes. dog, um, whichever one speaks to me in the moment, mm-hmm. I actually like. I will need because I'm very much like I cannot have a pet until mm-hmm. like I have like a husband and like some kids or whatever because I will send my husband out to get the dog because <laughs> I will never be able to go into like a rescue shelter or anything like that. Look at all the dogs and no, be like, you I want that one. No, you like, won't. I, because I would want all of them. Right. Like I, I would not be able to handle that. So it's like, nope, just send my man on his <laughs> merry way and a dog will speak to him yes. and he will come back with the perfect dog for the family. The great thing about dogs though is like, no matter what dog it is, it's kind of like once they live with you for a little bit, they kind of just naturally become the perfect dog exactly. for you. Like they kind of morph into right. your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not worried about that. I agree. I am not super into a breed, but I, like you, am not interested in owning a dog until if I ever were to have children with someone. Uh, because to me, dogs are such a big commitment. Mm-hmm. Like it's very much like, I like being able to say, okay, I'm going to go to Costa Rica with Jackson for 10 days. Oh, I'm going to go back to Atlanta for however long. I'm going to go to Chicago, visit his family because I don't want to feel like I am tied down. And I would feel so worried about leaving a dog anywhere at a pet hotel or whatever, having people come over and like watch the dog. It just feels like a lot of anxiety that I couldn't take at this very moment. And you know who can watch that dog? Your 15 year old. (laughs) I don't. The thing is, I have been a child with a dog in the house. They're not doing shit. <laughs> They're not going to do Like, I feel like when you get a dog as a parent, you have to just be like, I know at the end of the day, sure. this is my responsibility. It would be lovely to instill the children with like, you know, responsibility, knowing that you need to walk the dog and like feed it and all of that. But maybe they'll have soccer in the morning, lacrosse at night, whatever. And uh, you, you just know at the end of the day, it will be your responsibility. There's going to be someone in charge of the dog and that someone's going to be an adult. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you're going to scream at the kid all day. Feed the dog, <laughs> I, feed the dog, walk the dog, everything. You're going to be screaming, but at the end of the day, probably you'll, you'll probably feed the dog more than anyone else in the house. And you know I'm not a screamer. You are I, a screamer. I'm not one that will be screaming at a child. I'm an Italian from Jersey. I'll be screaming when I'm happy. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, that's the dog situation. Yes. Um, candles. Uh, <laughs> I like a fruit flavor. Like, I like a grapefruit candle. Bitch, that's the best thing you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> this, I have never agreed with anything harder. I Look thought at us were- agree. I thought you weren't a fruit person. No, I like a fruit. I do like kind of like a woods and like muskier scent as well. I but like, no you know, that, that candle right to your right oh. is from Anthropology. It oh. is a grapefruit Y'all scent. Y'all know what this candle is. It makes a very specific <laughs> sound. I, the smell of this candle. Is it's so lovely. Pretty. It's like has a slight citrus. Yes. Like a, just like the fruitiness. I'm all about a fruit scent. Yes. I'm anti a warm scent like a vanilla like you hate hate vanilla so much in every capacity I hate anything that's scented that smells sweet Mm. like that grosses me out for some reason you know what I also hate like when someone's like baking like a pie in the oven and you walk in and you're just like hit with like butter in the air like I hate it I'm sorry Mm -hmm. who the fuck hates when there's a pie in the oven when someone's making something that smells amazing in the oven because it's not even like I understand a little bit of like the sweetness of a candle like that's fake like something is happening that is fake and there's not a real something good underneath it. A beautiful pie in the oven. Who dislikes that smell? It tastes smell? great. But like this, you know, I don't like vaguely sweet things. And so like when you smell a pie cooking, it's like 
you don't get all the sweetness because you're not eating it, but you just get like the hint of sweetness. But it's like, real. Uh, it's coming from a real source. Sure, yes, I would rather uh, the smell of a pie than like the smell of like a pie candle. Sure. But like I, I'm not a huge sweet scented person. Huh. But like a, a fruity scent, I am I do like all that. about. Um, or yeah, I think that's it. Because like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a person who also like doesn't need scents. Mm. Like I've, as, I'm very happy with this smells neutral. Right. Like I've never needed like an air freshener in the car or something. Like I, I don't need that. I'm fine with a neutral smell. I'm more about uh, I need a light something playing on the Sono speakers. Oh, you know I love that when I'm just well, the, the best thing about my house currently. And we'll get to houses next. Apparently is walking to the house and you go from one room and the song's still playing in the next room and still playing in the next room and it's like ah oh, you're right. Whitney is singing live in all of these different rooms in my house <laughs> and they're all perfectly Her ghost in sync. Is among us, I love that feeling. Yeah, I'm also a person who like really never needs background music, <laughs> but we've talked about this. Before. We have. Yeah. Uh, as far as ideal homes, I would like a home in L.A. That's not incredibly expensive. Expensive because you look on Zillow and it's just that I know. Did you see the average is now of an LA home is a million dollars? Don't want to say it's just horrifying. But uh, I want something that is even if the outside is. I like a uh, like a kind of Spanish style kind of small like that kind of house. I think is very nice. I do like a modern. I like an accoutrement. I like things that feel sleek. My partner is not as into that look that vibe. He's more into cozier you know knickknack kind of things. So we meet in the middle, and I think a Spanish style house would be an ideal for both of us. I do. Like a, a good bit of tech as far in as we're in the living room. We want the Sonos going. We want a nice sound bar. We want a nice, you know, frame TV, which I will be getting this year. And, but as far as the home itself, I don't want a swimming pool. It's like, that seems like a lot of oh, work. Oh God, never. A lot a of fucking years. upkeep. Yeah. And like, maybe if I am rich one day, but like, it just seems like a money pit. Like you're going to need to get that fixed or like the hot tub's going to go out. And like, it just seems like a lot of work. Um, I would like, you know, a little bit more of an outdoor area. A backyard looks, seems to be lovely. If there's going to be a place in my home where we can sit on a dining table outside, that would be great. And the dog needs to run around. If there's a dog, <laughs> it would need to run around. I also have grown accustomed to having a lot of light. We have a lot of light in this mm-hmm. current apartment and having that kind of access to the outside world, even just visually is nice for me. Um, but I don't think I need anything too particular. Just something that doesn't feel super old. Like I don't. My goal is to ideally have a house that you can like turn the key and you're in it, and you don't have to like. Oh, we need to like redo this one bathroom, or like we have to knock down this wall and break. You like an, o- an open? Uh, I like a more open floor plan. Okay. But I, I'm not married to that. I'm more married to the fact that like don't give me a bathroom that was from the 70s and is now disgusting that I have to completely redo. Okay, I don't want to do that. But I also don't like a oh, oh like oh this was redone in a, such a modern way that it looks like like cheese. There are pros and cons. Like sure. I you know I don't need a gray floor. I feel like a warmer floor is nicer. I did have a moment of liking them. You were loving those gray I floors, did. and I was like, girl, those are going to be out. And in you a were day. right. You were right. Yep. But I, I but I I think there's a way to make things look modern but not exactly sterile. Like yes. and I that would be the goal. Uh, yes, I my goal for a house is kind of like my goal for a dog is I would love a to have a man who already has one. <laughs> it's and it's very much just Perfect. like whatever house I wind up in, that's my house. Really? Oh, I would love it if I didn't have to worry about buying a house. Like, but what if the man you meet who has his house and you go into the house and you're like, this is not this what I want. 
I I want a I, got, I, I want <laughs> a guy with a house more, and so I will be able to make do with what wow. I have. But like my dreams, you know, I love I love a if I have like a house house, I love like a Tudor home, like in terms of like outdoors, like okay. I love like the brown, like maybe like a mix of like brick and and like levels and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, not gross McMansiony, but like a right. nice Tudor home with mm. a little brick. Um, but like my dream is to have like a brownstone in Manhattan. I mean that. That'd be amazing. I like that. It, I would just love that. I also I love um, because my family's from Trenton, New Jersey, mm-hmm. and, so, and my grandparents lived very close. To, like I grew up just like three minutes outside of Trenton. Yeah, my grandparents lived even closer, uh, just outside of Trenton, mm-hmm. like closer to Trenton. And the houses, like all there, are um, like duplexes and right. everything. And so, see, like a, a house like connected to other like houses, like to me that are like old that have that old northeastern like urban vibe, mm. like feels like my grandparents' house. So like there is something that I love about that mm. that makes me feel like homey. Also like a Cape Cod, like I I grew up in a Cape Cod, so that just like feels like home. To right, me. like a, a lot of the houses in New Jersey are like Cape Cods. Yeah, um, but you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> if a guy has a house, that is my house. Great, and I'm happy. You're gonna make it work, and I'm gonna make it work. No, I'm particular. <laughs> I like things a certain way, and I, as far as the outside of the house, I could be open to a lot of different things. I think Spanish style or a more modern style that he'll never go for. But like you mm. know, you know, I love a square house. I love sure. a house that's basically a box. Ooh. Oh, you would love my friend Alexis's house. It's like, really? like glass walls oh, and everything. And, I, and you know what he can do? Hmm. Um, he can open up the, all the walls in his house. I fucking love And he's love like, it. yeah, like I used to open like the walls of the house and like birds would fly through and everything. Iconic. But I mean, that would make me worried that are birds going to fly into them? And I don't want birds in my house. I, I think he's, I think I've asked him. I think he said a bird's never flown into okay. the walls. So, you know. I love that. Um, yeah, just, just a house. Would be nice. A in terms of like nice. LA neighborhoods, if I were to get a house in LA, I do love Brentwood. I mean, Brentwood's so nice, but like, come the fuck on. How expensive is Brentwood? Well, my guy's gonna be rich. He's okay. gonna have a lovely house in Brentwood. <laughs> okay, that's very <laughs> rich. Oh, what I would love that will never happen in LA. Yes. A basement. I D- don't even think about it. I a know, I know. LA houses don't have basements. They don't. But like, I grew up in a house with a basement. Of course, so I did too. Like, where do you put all your stuff? The, basement. the basement. I guess it's, it's like the garage here. It's like no one uses mm. their garage for their cars. At this yeah. point, and I, I never grew up with a garage. Oh. oh, and you know what? I don't want. Huh. What I actively don't want yes. a house where you look at the front of it and all you see is garage. Oh, right. You are very weird I about that. I want that garage to be, I want it like my wires in my apartment, hidden. But what if the garage is not like all you see? Because the, the house I grew up in, the garage, you could see it, but it's like the house is to the left. Sure. Like, if it's like the garage is like here, yeah. and but the house is here, yeah. um, <laughs> then fine. I'm like, I'm totally cool with that. Got That's it. perfectly lovely. But like when a house, like when even like the front door feels like it's hidden from the garage, mm. like I'm kind of just like, I, when, it, when you look at the front of the house and all you see is garage, I get, I'm like, no, I want to see the house, you know? <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I, I don't think I am a stickler for that as much as you are. But yeah, you know, deep down, if I was alone and, you know, Jackson didn't have his opinions, I would love to live in an Apple store. You know this. I oh, want yeah, to live in a sleek, glass-filled, light-filled, every side glass, you know, just like a cool, open 
cold. Cold. Cold, home. but the sun gets in. Yes. Out. Yes. Yeah, the sun is shining on you and you're still just like, burr. <laughs> burr. I'm feeling chilly. <laughs> uh, so wait, Matt Steele. Yes. Um, you don't have a two gay minutes, do you? I do not have a two gay minutes. What's been giving you moments, darling? So the thing that's been giving me moments, I said that I saw a movie this week and that is a lie. I just watched a movie from the comfort of my own home. Okay. And that movie uh, was the movie Nyad, which is starring Jodie Foster oh. and Annette Benning, And uh, it follows Diane Nyad, who famously in 2015, 14, I forget, early 2010s, uh, swam from Cuba to Florida. She's the only person who has ever accomplished this. And for like decades, they were like, it is absolutely impossible. No one will be able to do this. She swam for 54 hours. Uh, 105 what? miles or some shit. It was, and if, it was after many attempts, like when she tried doing it when she was younger mm. uh, and she failed and everyone was like, oh, that means it can't be done. And uh, in like 2010, she like got the bug to just be like, I I want to say like that, like nothing is impossible. Mm. And I, she's like 60 years. She turned 60 when she decided to do this. I wow. think she accomplished it when she was like 64, 65. That's amazing. And, um, and so it follows like that that like several year journey of her like attempting to do it again, failing, attempting to do it again, failing, and like then finally she does it. And I, like even though you know what the ending is, like like so goddamn inspirational. Like wow. I, I and the thing with like you know there are several sports movies where um you know someone accomplishes that some something that's so amazing. But the thing I loved about this movie was how like real she felt like she truly felt just like because she is a real person but like so many sports movies like they have like all these training montages and then (laughs) and they obviously they're they're all humans and everything but like they're sort of like they try to portray them as this these like superhuman people Mm. and but it really portrays her as just this like cool lesbian just chilling on her couch with her best friend and coach Jodie Foster like watching the news playing Scrabble and she's like I think I'm gonna do this thing and it you you feel like you relate to her so so much and it really makes you feel like I can do this. Right. Which like I obviously of cannot. We can. <laughs> and also the thing that's so thrilling about this is like, yes, like in sports movies, like people win the game and it's exciting or they beat this record or blah blah blah. But like this is something that literally everyone was just like, this is absolutely impossible. Mm. Like no one will a human person will ever be able to achieve this. And the fact that she did it, it's so cathartic and so moving. Annette Benning is so excellent. She's excellent in everything. I love Annette Benning. You do? She's great at playing a lesbian. And like all that like she's I always love her as a lesbian. Like kids are all right. That is my I mean, we love oh, that movie. Oh. We love The Kids Are All Right. And and she is so excellent in this movie. Jodie Foster is so fantastic. Like as her, And it's so wonderful to see a movie about like a lesbian friendship mm-hmm. that's like not a romance. Totally. Like cause you, you see them interact and you're just like, those are buds. Like those are, those are two lesbian buds who I know who yeah. are in their 60s. Like they feel so authentic and real. Like truly like. And you think about it and you're just like, oh, yeah, it's probably like cheesy, inspirational, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, this is genuinely like I was sobbing. Oh, my gosh. Like on my couch in the dark. It's really, really wonderful. The performances are excellent. So everyone check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, I really, really loved it. Okay. I thought it was great. Yeah, I had on Netflix. Excited to add it to my 
needing to watch. I also want to watch, there's a new movie um, from, oh my God, what's his face? From fucking Schitt's Creek, The Sun, uh, oh, Dan, Dan Levy. Levy. It's a, he has a movie called Good Grief, which he was describing on Watch What Happens Live. And he was saying that it was about, uh, he, he loses his partner and it's basically about how he and his friends become a family and help him pick up the pieces as he's moving on with life. And it seems like I've read nice things about it. Our friend Austin who just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Austin. Said that he really loved it and I can't wait to watch that movie. But I feel like this is that part of the year where it feels like there are so many movies piling up that I really am interested in seeing. Yeah, so you can't fall behind. I can't. Oscar time. And but can't. I, I, but unfortunately, I'm already plugged in to the motherfucking Traders season two, and I feel like it's only been a couple of weeks since the Traders season one was my giving me moments. But I just have to say, whoever did the casting oh. on Traders season two deserves. Every raise in the book. I have never seen a better cast reality show. And I'm only an episode, like an episode and a half in. And I just am so blown away by the mix of reality competitors they've gotten here. Like we've gotten a handful of housewives. We have people from MTV's The Challenge, obviously Big Brother folks, Survivor people. And these aren't like no name individuals in any of these pillars of reality. Like these are like top billing folks. The best of the best. You're talking Janelle and Dan Geesling. (laughs) Like, it is such an exciting show. And it's one of those things that as a Housewives fan, you go into every show that like, again, since Phaedra has been fired from Housewives of Atlanta for Again, reminder to everyone, she was fired from this show because she accused Candy Burris, writer of No Scrubs, of attempted our word against another cast member. So what Phaedra did cannot be discounted, cannot be undermined. It was really fucking bad. That being said, <laughs> she is some of the best TV I've ever watched. And the fact that she is giving so much on traders, like you can drop her into any scenario and she fucking swims. Like she was so good on the Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip season two with Dorinda and Jill Zare and all of them. And she honestly could be a little better on Married to Medicine, which was like a months long filming process. And like you're supposed to have a season of television. She could have been a little better, but on traders. She's just every fucking confessional, every time she's in scene with people and like kind of not saying anything. She's like, mm-hmm, child. <laughs> <laughs> it's just she's doing so little but giving so much. I mean, Phaedra just like has that face of someone who just like she puts a fork in her mouth to eat something and it's funny. It's like, funny. Because it's just so animated. Yes. And but so casual and natural the way yes. she does it. And she always looks like she has her eyes closed. Like it always looks like she's just like living through life with her eyes closed, right. just like enjoying the music or something. Absolutely. Like, like she's just visually a funny person. And that's honestly what is missing from Housewives of Atlanta these days, because without Nene and Phaedra, you're missing a lot of that comedy. And Portia, like these are comedy queens for Housewives. But again, this isn't about Housewives. Um There's going to be a couple of spoilers if you have not started this season, season two of Traders, but the Traders this season began as Dan and Phaedra, which like, of course, if you're going to have Dan on a fucking show, you have to make him a traitor. He would only play, I'm sure, if he was a traitor. He would not be interested. He swore up and down he was never doing a reality show again. And I guarantee you, Traders was just like, we will give you this much money. And he was just like, I'll only do it if you make me a traitor. Right. And they're like, fine. But to me, it's also like, I guess a lot of the cast may not know Big Brother, but why hasn't Janelle been like, guys, Dan's a fucking yeah. traitor? See, my thing, that's what was kind of disappointing with me in finding out that Dan was a traitor. Yeah. Is that it's kind of just like, 
Okay, yes, obviously, like, Dan Giesling, Big Brother, if you don't know him, he's, like, considered, like, one of the top two to ever play, like, so a brilliant, not just strategist, but showman. Right. When he, like, does, like, the social strategy of, like, the Big Brother and everything. Yes. Um, and so that's why he's such good tea. But it's just, like, the second he was cast, I was just like, you can't not yes. make Dan a traitor because right. that is what he, that's his bread that's and butter. That's what he does. That's what he's here for. So, like, if I was in that cast... I would just be like, oh, we have to go after Dan. Right. But also the thing is like as a viewer, I was kind of just like, you know, I think it would have been really refreshing to see Dan not be a traitor. Right. Just because like I want to, I've never seen Dan not running the season of the show he mm. was on. I want to see him scrambling a little bit. Right. Like, I want to see him like, you know, a, a, not so like secure. I mean, in the episode I watched, he got some feedback from the full cast. He did, he did. Where it's like, I don't think, I mean, we'll see. And I where don't think they, they were like, he's too quiet. He's too quiet. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't think he's going to be as under the radar. Like the exact plan he walked in to the house with didn't, isn't working. He's going to have to reconfigure a little bit. Mm. I don't think it's going to re- be a repeat of season one where Sri kind of ran away with it. Like, sure. I think there are too many people and that are, really trying to play and win this game know the rules now i think that i don't think he's going to have an easy road truly I oh don't. i don't think I, do, I don't foresee him i see them getting him at some right. point like i truly don't and i mean there i mean i i binged season one of the traders yes. this whole week that was a, a part of what i did this week and it's an enjoyable show i had notes <laughs> Oh my god! Of course, for the show, yes. Um, but overall, I was just like, I'm enjoying this. I imagine it will be like improved for season two. Yeah. Um, and then when they when I looked at the castles, I was just like, you have to watch. Yeah, like I have to. Even like even if I hated the show, yes. like the people from like Big Brother and Survivor that yeah. they were bringing back, it's just like I just want to see them on my TV. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand like why I get such joy out of like seeing <laughs> the Big Brother players right. who I love so much, like on some other show, you know. As well, I, well, because it's also like I don't watch the challenge. Like if they're on the challenge, I'm like, Ooh, I don't care about that. <laughs> I think because the challenge is all like it's all physical, and so I'm just like I and the most boring part of all these shows to me is like the the challenges, right? Um, but so so it's like next season. I'm just like even if I do not like season two of the Traders, like if they have season three and they have like another Big Brother person who's like a heavy hitter, yeah, like. I'm going to be down. I'm going to have to watch it. Well, like, I mean, I think that's great because there is a social aspect to this game. Even if you have your issues with the game itself, mm-hmm. there is a social aspect. Some of those roundtables, especially near the end of last season, were riveting. And I will say like this, I I watched the first two episodes of uh, season two of The Traders and I was just like, they are editing in more of the conversation elements. Right. Uh, which is more entertaining to watch for me. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And apparently there's, apparently it was announced that Dr. Will, no spoiler, whatever. <laughs> spoiler that Dr. Will is going on the show. I right. do not imagine he is a contestant. I imagine he's just like a guest or something. Right. And what we big brother people have wanted to see, <laughs> like forever is Dr. Will, who's like the other best player that's ever played. The guy who like right. invented the strategy of the game and Dan Giesling on a screen together at the same time. Apparently, Trader Season 1, I said I had notes. I had no notes for Kate. <laughs> Kate, in Trader Season 1, I was just like, this is Icon. the show right here. Icon. And apparently she's like making an appearance. I've I don't heard know if she's playing as well. But um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the first two episodes of Season 2. I still had like a couple like of the same issues that I had with Season 1, but mm-hmm. not as much. That's so good. I, I'm enjoying it. More. And I will say, again, spoiler alert, 
I was impressed that they got Johnny Bananas out first. Oh, sure. Because, like, he is a big fucking player. Like, sure, getting Rez out initially was, like, kind of a big move, but not like this. Like, he is the face of the challenge. And the mm. and they do need, like, Phaedra had a good point of, like, we need physical competitors so that they can win this fucking money for us to steal at the end. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I was impressed with the move because I was also very nervous that we're going to get rid of Kevin from Bling Empire, who, like, is he brilliant? No. <laughs> but... He's gorgeous and harmless. And it's also like they, the other options were Peppermint, trans woman of color, first drag race contestant on the show. And Kevin, who's like, have there been other Asian people on the show? It's just like, mm-hmm. can we get rid of a white person? <laughs> they have so many white people. So I'm glad it was him. Uh, but I am just interested. I'm invested. I This is the amount of competition reality I can take. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how much Big Brother I find overwhelming. And like, this is exactly what I need it to be. Sure. Right? Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens next. Yeah, I do wish, though, that, like, there was a less, like, obvious person as a traitor this season, though. Like, well, because the first season, it was, like, the best survivor, one of, like, the best survivor players ever to never win. Like, a, like, very successful Big Brother player and, like, someone who was, like, funny as a traitor. (laughs) This season, it's also, like, like, one of the best Big Brother players ever. Like, one of the best survivor players ever. And, like, someone to be funny, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It's the same thing. Like, like if I was one of those contestants, I would just be like, Dan, Parvati. And then I would be like, Phaedra would be funny. So they would, pro- so producers would probably. <laughs> I mean, we'll keep watching. I think Phaedra is actually going to play an excellent game. Like, I don't. And that would be great to I don't think she's a Christian. I think that she. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you. Christian no, is. No, Christian is the name of the funny Christian. traitor from season one. I, thought you were saying, I don't think she's a I Christian. Don't think, I don't think she's a Christian. No, I don't think she is like that uh, character from last season. Uh, I think, again, of all of the housewives that truly I can think of top of mind, and th- I mean, this is kind of an indictment of her character. She is the most duplicitous. Okay. She is a lawyer. Like before she came True. to be a housewife, she was a lawyer. She's very smart. And her whole thing and what got, like did her in on Housewives is that she was playing it like a com- competition reality show. Like I she was that. trying to use other housewives to take down the women she didn't like. Like she's going to be playing the game as if she has won some of these competition reality shows, in my opinion, we'll see if that's what happens. Well, and the thing is, like, if you were a contestant, you would be like, guys, it could very well it be. Could be. But I, the thing is, like, these, it's so, they had a scene in the the first episode yeah. where it's like Janelle was talking to, I think, Kevin. Yes. And, like, and Janelle, uh, the, Kevin was just like, who's this uh, competition person? And yeah. Janelle was like, oh, that's this person. And, yeah. like, he didn't know he the didn't. competition reality yes. stars. And Janelle was like, what are you talking about? They're a legend. Like, yes. that's Johnny Bananas. Yes. This is Dan Geesling and everything. And he's like, what's the challenge? Yeah, he's, and he's like, what's the challenge? And then Janelle was just like, who's this person? And he was just like, oh, she's a housewife. Yes. How do you not know her? Yes. So, like, the it's interesting watching, like, the competition reality people right. uh, interact with the, like, non-competition reality people interacting with the UK former speaker of comments. <laughs> Either. And the thing is, they keep having him do these physical fucking challenges. I'm like, I know when he ate dirt, when he fell in that one challenge, I was like, no, something. But he got right back. He up. did get back up, and I also think it's funny that like Tamra, who is, as you can see, out of her mind, <laughs> like the fact that she's decided like I'm coming up for this fucking man. It's like <laughs> if you don't leave that old man from up alone, like Tamra, <laughs> she's like, up, no. she's just like, I can feel it in my gut. Like she's the kind of housewife you generally get on the show. It's like I'm just going off of my gut and my feeling, and I I cannot keep a secret, and I'm gonna yell and say everything. Phaedra's not like that. Mm. Phaedra's a snake. So she could do well in a way that Tamra, Kate Chastain, those types of, you know, Bravo celebrities could not. So I'm excited. I'm watching. I'm 
plugged in. It's great. I can't wait to see where we go next. Let's go. All right. We're going to the moon, guys. We really are. Justice for traitors. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to tell the people? I don't think so. Guys, thank you so much for listening and or watching. We'll be back next week with more Two Game Hats, the podcast. Bye. Bye.